This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me, Mr. Chris Birds, Mr. Phil Shaw. What are we celebrating? Hello, we're celebrating a nice walk in the park for the Villa boys. Come on, give it more gusto. We are celebrating a massacre. Yeah. Massacre, a it flattening, is. a steamrollering, a bloodbath. It is. It is I mean, I used to live in Seagull Bright. squashing. Well, yeah, this is my point. You just jumped to the point I was about to make. Uh, I used to live in Brighton, and uh, you do know that seagulls are protected species. So this, there could be consequences for how hard we battered them here. RSPB? I don't know who's <laughs> doing that. <laughs> Yeah, Royal Protection ass- Society of Birds, that's what I'm saying. It could be coming after us. Yeah, the assassination of the best run team in the league, trademark. Yeah, the team that's been touted as the best example of how to run a club on and off the pitch has been massacred by a team that's not a great example off the pitch, but uh, on the pitch. What an example. We are getting there, and we'll get into it, but just off the top of my head, uh, I mean, even John McGinn said in an interview after on uh, TNT Sports, he was saying, you know, they have to admit they haven't really been at the races this season, and we haven't got to the point where we've been playing well and, you know, you win in games and then you're thinking, you know, some team's going to take a beating off us soon. We, we, it never felt like that, did it? Because our wins have been sometimes fortuitous and we haven't really been at the races, but this was the, uh, the first time where everything clicked into place. We were pretty bloody devastating, to be fair, at times. But more of the massacre at Villa Park coming up. First of all... We're going to uh, go through the happenings around the world in football, but most importantly, the Villa news. Injury news. I don't know. Is this a moving situation? Obviously, Bailey was out. Not thought to be too serious. Tim Arogbenum is back in training. Moreno is still not quite there. But the couple of players left. Did they leave the pitch? I mean, I'm talking about Diaby and uh, Kamara. Mm. Because... uh, 
that we were the game was won so with an eye on thursday i'm hoping this is the situation yeah emery had said has there been any he, comments yeah he said he didn't expect them to be serious ones certainly the the drb one he just took a bit of a whack and you know at that point in the game there's no point in taking a risk kamara did he looked a bit sort of wincy shall we say as he walked off but you're hoping that's not a serious one i actually don't expect necessarily kamara to start on thursday anyway but we'll see but it was nice to have ramsey back i'd like to have drb uh, in that team against yeah Sirinsky. same he had some really good Just, moments. You got to go at them early. You can't give them. Uh, you want to get it done because we're in a you know we're in a situation now. If we don't beat them, then then we're in we're in a bun fight to get out of that group. Yeah, the Castore deal. Now that this this is a strange one because every Villa fan knew in preseason something wasn't quite right. Now seems weird that we've got to. It, well, we're into, what, the seventh game now? But it was actually the women's situation that's really sparked the media interest. And that's the thing with uh, Villa. Sometimes you've got to get the national media uh, involved. And then once that spotlight's on it, then then things start to happen. So we are actually in the meeting and we asked, this is like the follow-up fan advisory board meeting. We asked, so, you know, what's the situation with this kit? And they said, oh, Castora putting out a statement tonight and... They said the press has been spot on. What you quickly realise is, I mean, the club have obviously sp- spoken to the Daily Telegraph and, you know, they've fed them the uh, Castori statement because that was the only place, I mean, Castori didn't actually put out a statement themselves. They've got to keep publicly at least. I mean, they're still under contract, so they can't really say much publicly. Club aren't happy, by the way. <laughs> and, and They shouldn't be. And they shouldn't be. <laughs> no. Because it's a fucking farce. That's all I can say. I mean, I would be uh, cancelling that contract ASAP. And uh, it, I mean, it's like you have one job to do, isn't it? It's one of them. And it's multi-million pounds deal. You've got reputations of a, of a big, big brand that's trying to go places. You can't turn it into a circus and laughing stock. Although some people in the club are doing, that, are doing a good job of that uh, in other areas. But this is like a fundamental situation. Yeah, you just wonder was it was it ever tested? And you're thinking, well, it only was tested in pre-season, wasn't it? And yeah. this is a strange thing. So obviously, the club have you know sorted out the media on that to get that out, keep Castore out of fire as much as they can. And uh, in the women's situation, that uh, you know the club was saying to us, and if they've told the press this as well, that uh, apparently wasn't a big issue for the women because I, I think I mean just basically reading between the lines, you know, women players are wearing sports bras, so that lessens the area of skin to shirt contact, so the sweat's not going directly there. So I don't think they haven't really experienced such an effect. Obviously, they're conscious of it because in the pre-season games they played out in Spain, they were playing in the training shirts instead of that kit. Maybe they think, well, uh, in the you know UK temperature now, now, now it's dropping into autumn. It's not going to be as bad as well. So factor that in. They were offered the uh, white away kit as their you know primary shirt to play with this season, but they said no, the, the home one's fine. So they'll go with that. But it's a farce. Another one, and obviously played out, you know, because it's a, an on the pitch thing. It plays out very publicly when it's a kit. Yeah, there's no, there's no hiding place. No, no hiding in the lower grounds. Mm-hmm. Can't, can't wait for minus temperatures. Can you when they're when they're running about in shirts that are just frozen, like they've been in the washing line for frozen and, sweat, and frost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The fan advisory board did meet. We're we're still waiting for the notes. I mean, the club have said, well, we've got like four games in eight days, so things are pretty hectic. But I would imagine uh, the start of this week. So 
look out for them. They're embargoed at this point. I've told them to tweak some things because I, I, I thought they were a bit wishy-washy. The answers, you know, I, I wanted them to be a bit more finite for supporters. But ooh, once those notes are published, I can say what I want. So I'll, I'll leave it to then. The, the pricing on Everton, I mean, that wasn't in the meet, meeting notes, but you know, I asked them for their opinion after, and it's it's amazing how certain type of people will not admit mistakes, and that's not a good sign of uh, character that you want to be dealing with either. <coughs> Jobs worth. But I'll park it there, and we'll pick it up in the future podcast. I'm not in the mood to talk about the lower ground concept. I'll publish the email I sent to the club uh, regarding that. For transparency, the fan advisory board was invited by Ben Hatton to check out the lower grounds. They just wanted some people in there, didn't they? Probably to f- fill it out, like seat fillers. <laughs> but we, we, we basically declined it, I mean, out of principle. I mean, I feel f- very strongly about uh, taking away that from uh, season ticket holders without telling them. And then when season ticket holders were contacting the club saying, oh, you know, why, why is it closed? Not even hinting that they'll never be in there again unless they pay big bucks. It's it's nefarious. Anyway, carrying on. Planning permission has been granted for the alterations on the north stands, the, let's say, the tweaks and the warehouse. I said uh, before, even though Heck said we were looking for uh, the upcoming summer, I was saying, well, you know, the economic situation makes up very, still very unlikely. Under-21s led a two-goal lead slip, losing 3-2 to Sunderland. I think that's about the fourth time they've done it this season already. Yeah, they just can't defend. NordVPN are supporting the My Old Man Said podcast by offering listeners a bumper deal where you can get an extra four months free on top of huge savings if you want to ensure the privacy of up to six devices while you are browsing and also change your virtual location. NordVPN allows users to watch sporting events, films and TV shows that aren't available in their region by switching their location to a country where they can watch it. Perfect for those untelevised English football 3pm kickoffs or in Villa's case, those Sunday 2pm kickoffs. To grab our exclusive discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash moms. You'll also get four months off for free, and there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. You'll find the link in the episode description notes. Thank you very much. Right, three points. Premier League bosses are licking their lips, rubbing their hands and getting ready for the new TV deal. A meeting of 20 top flight clubs on Thursday agreed to allow negotiations to determine the precise nature of the packages. I think they're being lumped in with the EFL now. It's a kind of a big bumper all in one. I think they, games, they're it? getting like 14% or something. That's good. The lower leagues... The big question mark for fans is, is they're going to uh, crowbar in about 50 more games. Now, there's a lot of talk and concern from a Football Supporters Association situation for the potential of a 6.30 Sunday kickoff 
fabulous for armchair fans, but uh, yeah, for matchgoers, away trips, fucking nightmare on yeah, Sunday. It's funny lockdown when everybody was at home, but not so much when you've got to actually travel to the games. Yeah, but as we're increasingly seeing the match day fan, you know, they don't, uh, the clubs and uh, powers that be that increasingly don't care about them. Well, as the match day revenue percentage of your turnover goes down and down and down. And it is the, the casuals, the, the armchair fan who will defend initiatives like the lower ground and the terrace view without realising the football context to it, you know, that you don't put a hospitality in a bloody cop end, which is going to be like one of the, the famous cop ends. You don't uh, rip off season ticket holders by waiting until uh, they've paid their money and then changing the, you know, changing the benefits. These are the things that these people don't pick up on. And then they, they argue, well, if you, if you want a Champion League squad, if, if you want to dine at a uh, Michelin star restaurant, don't expect to pay McDonald's prices. Well, the thing is, you know, the fans aren't really dining at uh, Michelin star restaurants because you've got to see the concourses. You've got to see what we have to put yeah, I don't, up I don't, I don't go to a Michelin star restaurant and get Michelin star food and eat it off, like, newspaper wrapper on the floor. No, and I, we won't even get to the wine list. That has really tickled me. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the wine list, red, red, white, <laughs> or rosé. I'm sure if they're running a rosé, they're going to mix the other two. But this fallacy, this cod logic, this fugazi that... Uh, People paying to go into any of these soft hospitalities are actually paying for a Champions League team is, is bullshit. It's all about the TV deal, and the TV deal is going to get a massive further pump. Yep. So it's more you've got to fight to make sure that all this money doesn't go straight into players and agents and clubs' pockets. It needs to go more into facilities for supporters. But watch out for that. Let's see how uh, this develops and see if any new players uh, come into uh, the picture beyond uh, Sky, TNT and Amazon Prime. Uh, number two, Napoli's social media team have uh, upset their own player, Phil Shaw. Yes, they have. Well, what happened was their their striker, their star striker, Victor Osimhen, hopefully that's pronunciation right, um, missed a penalty in their nil-age draw against Bologna. And the Napoli social admin sort of posted a video on TikTok with a high-pitched voice mocking him. Now, Osimhen's agent, Roberto Calenda, threatened legal action, and Osimhen himself removed all images of himself in the Napoli shirt from his social media accounts. But Napoli were forced to basically apologise, and they released a statement saying to avoid any potential exploitation of the matter, Napoli would like to explicitly state that the club never intended to offend or make fun of Victor Osimhen, who is an asset to the club. So, sorry, why do they put this up? I don't know. He's annoyed somebody. He's probably had words with the, the admin and they've taken revenge on him. Yeah, it seems like a counterproductive measure, isn't it? Especially for morale. Mm -hmm. Point number three, a girls team was booted off the pitch to make way for a boys team. Vicky Park Rangers from East London said their players were locked out and the pitches were handed to a men's team despite having a contract to play until... 2026. That's going to be a long game. What, three three years? <laughs> That's a lot of extra time, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of R. <laughs> the boys team laughed and jeered at the girls, which had a big emotional impact on them. David Druitt, the girls' head coach, said the club had more than 120 girls aged 6 to 16 playing each week. Some trained at Arsenal and West Ham. The Tower Hamlets council spokesman said in this case, a processing error meant that Vicky Park Rangers were originally given a slot which had intended for another group and this was corrected as soon as possible yeah it's just it's still there uh, the, the stigma and yeah. uh, i mean you know i know friend who've got 
two girls who were like mad football nuts, you know, age eight, nine. And, you know, they went to play with some boys and the boys were like saying, no, no, you can't play, you can't play. And it's just like, yeah, that's that will change. Very much so. It's, well, it's, it's mm-hmm. changing, but it should be. Just typical of a council to blame a process and error, isn't it? I think the women's game this league post-World Cup will uh, jump on even more so in terms of the public consciousness. Yeah, and, and a lot of the, the you know the bigger name players, and you know, I've said loads of times on here, haven't we, that they all speak really well. They are great ambassadors for their game. So well, they're more, in, more articulate than the yeah, men's. Than the men's I mean, team. you just had to listen to Ollie Watkins' interview. He just scored a bloody hat-trick and uh, it's like plugging in a robot. <laughs> It's like, you know, have you know, have some joy. <laughs> That's why everyone likes John McGinn, isn't it? Yeah, no, exactly. He was excellent in his inter- post-match interview because he's, he's a, you know, he's, he's a person and uh, needs to be a bit more of that in football, to be honest, just to make it a bit more interesting rather than just Louis Vuitton washbags, tattoos and silly hairstyles. It's more to life than that in terms of personality. Right, cracking on. Let's get to it. 6-1. As uh, a Brighton manager once said, I don't want Europa Conference League. I want Europa League. Well, in this game, roughly translated, I don't want a 1-0 scrappy win. I want a 6-1 thrashing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in in something for the weekend, we'd been cautious because Villa hadn't been performing. I thought, this is where Brighton break their duck against us. And I think, you know, they might get away with a a point here. You said scrappy win potential. That would probably be me pointing in the direction of Villa kind of continuing where they were. And especially after the, the cup game and... A scrappy one, no, wouldn't it have been the worst of results? No, no, because uh, as we said before, you're, you're in a zone now. You've got Chelsea, you've got Brighton, you've got West Ham, Wolves away, which is a tough game. Uh, just ask Manchester City. Where you're in the zone where if you're winning games, those games or three of those four, then you you know you're you're onto something good. But we we were still lacking performance this season yeah. to really to really get the party started. We were waiting for the statement, and it came. And after that Everton game, where it wasn't the second string team, it was it was like it was a good eighty percent. It was a half-assed first team, you'd call it. It was yeah, that was more. It was half-assed in terms of attitude, but this different attitude really up and at it interesting that McGinn said from the Emery team talk and planning for this game he said it was either going to be 6-1 to us or 6-1 to them (laughs) which suggests the players realize this was like a like a a a shootout basically it's it's two teams who probably you know the players and the managers know that if 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 either team clicks or the teams off it, they are both capable of just ripping through you. In this case, and that's what I, yeah, that's what I was referring to. Like even at three 0 when they got that one back, you thought, mm. well, they've just they scored could. early enough that if they get another, the the way they play, they can bedazzle teams. Yeah. And this game isn't over yet. No, and what well, should have been over, but we'll get on to that. Um, early stages. I mean, I mean, in terms of uh, lineups, first thing you see uh, after that Everton game where McGinn was playing left back is, is you've got a balanced team again. It's probably are in terms of fully fit players as strong as you can go in terms of having that balance. You're now asking the question: Would you play Ramsey over Zaniola? I think we finished with our best team actually, pretty much. Yeah, which was a change that obviously transpired in game. But then the only question is Moreno. But even at the end of last season, Moreno and Dean were being swapped in and out of games, weren't they? 
Very yeah. rarely did the left back play a full ninety minutes. Yeah, well, that was when Moreno got injured against Liverpool. He was literally only under the pitch at the hour mark after for a couple of minutes, and then he done his hamstring yeah. during the ball. So they have been alternating, and I would imagine they'll alternate again whenever Moreno's is fully fit. The final thing to preface: Brighton were third, and we were sixth going into this. But the the interesting thing, as I said in something for the weekend, was Brighton had played four home games of their six games. We'd only played two home games out of six, and of course you know, we're on to win our 10th consecutive home game. So, you know, home form is obviously an advantage, but when it's that much of an advantage that we've won the last nine home games, so when you have played two of the six games at home, shows you that actually uh, that sixth place we're in, potentially uh, a bit higher, really. But as it panned out, it did, because it was, it was one of those games you think to yourself, Villa aren't as bad as you think, or Brighton aren't as good. And so it's, it's one of those ones that, like you said, it was the litmus test, and it's it's one that came out in flying colours. And you noticed from from the very start, I mean, it was like a it was like a different team. They were, they'd all had their energy drinks or something this, against Brighton compared to the Everton one. There was no lethargy, nothing at all. They were at it, and it was competitive from the start. Well, I joked on Twitter or X, whatever you call it now, that Emery's tactic was get the goals in early before the shirts start to sweat. <laughs> and a uh, bit of a slow opening five minutes or so would you agree but nothing too eventful and then it just uh, caught fire with Ollie Watkins yeah and what Watkins as we know we've said before streaky when he when he's off it he's he's really off it but when he's on it like this wins the game on his own it's reminded me of the Newcastle game last season he was just ready for everything and the fir- the first goal was a, a really good example of just the team, everything just working because McGinn sliding it through to Cash and Cash putting it across and Watkins again, no time to think, just stick it in the net. That's that was him off and running again. But it was McGinn showing Pete McGinn because it was a little it bit was. of a hustle turned been great vision on the pass. Matty Cash being Premier League Matty Cash rather than Championship Cash, being aggressive and getting in the right area and then just whipping it in and not stopping and thinking about it, just getting it out of his feet. Hitting it first time, and it's a really good finish. It's a really good goal. And Emery's celebration—he was absolutely he was mad. For it. I'd imagine yeah. there was a lot of frustration, you know, after a few of the games this year. Obviously, you know, he had the he had the Warsaw one, which he would have been disappointed with. The Everton one, he'd have been really disappointed with. So he'd have probably said, "Listen, we need to put on a show here today." And they, you know, more than yeah. obliged. You know, sort of after twenty-one minutes, they're they're two-one up with another sort of really good Watkins finish. You know, another kind. It was kind of the story of the day for Brighton because I think they had about 60 odd percent of the possession over the game so they had a lot of the ball and I thought they looked pretty tidy with it but every time they gave it away it was kind of like when Villa they played a very similar way to Villa very slow and methodical at the back and then they tried to play through the phases and get quicker but when they'd give the ball away they were just there for the taking and Villa were like you know we can actually play a little bit deeper and just spring the spring traps on you um you know Kamara and Louise were fantastic at um, hunt, you know, reading the game, hunting down the pass and intercepting it. And that's kind of where the second one came from. Watkins obviously picks the ball up, cuts in on his right foot, slightly scuffs it, but scuffs it in the bottom corner. I know VAR checked it because of where Zaniolo was stood. The fact that he scuffed the shot, I don't think means, you know, the, the keeper has a chance there. He's just, I don't think it's going to make a huge amount of difference. I think if the boot's on the other foot in terms of a player standing in front of the keeper, uh, we'd have been pissed off about that. Uh, we, well, we've had them, didn't we? We've, we've already had one. We've well, yeah, Martinus. no, we've, we've had them. I mean, we've so had them with, against us, for us. But I, I think that I, I don't understand how you can consider that not interfering with play. It's uh, it's kind of insane. I mean, we've had it against us, for us. Yeah, but as a rule per se, I think it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. if you're offside, you're offside. Yeah, and, and, then, in the, and, then, in, and he's standing in the pretty much the centre of the goal. It's like, come on, it's offside for fuck's sake. And then you know. 
within another sort of five minutes, you're three and up, and you're thinking, "This wow, this is game over." You know, it's a, another. You know, it's Villa sort of pick their pocket again. Watkins has squared it. Diaby's had a good effort. Comes back as another crack. Zaniolo is stood sort of with a tap in anyway, and I think it's Estupian, isn't it? Who kind of yeah. a bit, so we say cl- probably a bit clumsy, but also a bit unlucky. Get the ball obviously mm-hmm. gets caught under his feet, and it ends up in the back of the net. And hapless yeah, and helpless. Yeah, and, and and at that point, you think, right, this should be. With the way Emery sets his team up, this should be game over because we can manage the game and we've got so much dynamism on the. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment. You can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Break. But it was strange yeah. because we were sort of three and up and I, and I didn't think Brighton had played that badly with the ball. I still think they had, you know, I thought Matoma out wide. I thought he actually played really well throughout. Cash had a, well, he, you know, he get, he'll get credit for the assist. I thought he actually had a really good game defensively against a, a pretty yeah, lively, he did. Uh, he did. Yeah. You know, a really lively winger. And I really rate Matoma. You know, you think he's going to be the next one of their stars to get the big moves. And, um, you know, for all our sort of talking up of Evan Ferguson before the game, I actually thought Torres and uh, and Conza dealt with dealt with things at the back pretty well. That said, you know, very early on, they had a big chance. You know, Martinez makes the save, but that could have, could have changed the game if they'd have scored that first goal. Didn't, and... I think at three nil, I was fairly confident that we'd we'd get the job done at that point, unless yeah, the ref, unless the ref dropped a clanger, which I'll slip in, you know, to, not, without meaning to jump too far forward. You know, you come away winning six one, and you still think, God, the ref was a job's worth twat today. Some of the some of the decisions were shocking. And kind well, of both it's teams the same. Well. It's the same every week, uh, mm-hmm. Chris. It's, yeah. it's now. It's like you. It's that's why you got to score six goals nowadays just to make sure you win the game because yeah. the referee can turn it at any moment. Yeah, and he was just yeah. throwing, giving out yellows willy nilly for the most stupid things. The Ezri Conza one was a joke, but mm-hmm. and the Duran one at the end is pathetic. End, yeah, that's but anyway, pathetic. we're jumping in ahead. Yeah. yeah. What big, big, big change at halftime from uh, the visitors? Yeah, Deserbi was very proactive, wasn't he? Obviously, um, Jao Pedro, Ansu Fati, Tarek Lamptey. So they went with pace. Um, I mean, I, I, I quite like Tarek Lamptey as a player. I think he's a, you know, he's obviously lightning quick. Um, yeah. Jao Pedro is a good forward. Ansu Fati obviously comes with a lot of hype. He obviously scores with it, is it was sort of about five minutes after halftime. It's a strange goal, to be honest. I know they checked that one for offside. They, they checked that one for everything. There was so there was so much going on with that goal. I think that yeah. the easiest thing for them to do was just to give the goal because they'd have been there yeah. all day. I thought <laughs> he came from behind the line. He almost becomes he's like inactive, then he becomes active. It's just, it's a very weird goal that one. 
Yeah, the all of the Villa players are calling for the offside, and I, I was thinking he is actually offside. And then I was thinking, did a Villa player, the one that went off, I think it was McGinn, did he come back on again? And then you see the replay, and you think, no, he didn't. He stood there off. He stood off the pitch with his hand in the air, saying, "This this prick's offside." The McGinn one, the the rules is now if he, if he goes off the pitch, he's counted as being on the goal line. So that's how they get out of that one. But there were still three or four things to check on it as well. Is it? Is that true? Yep. That's news to me. I didn't know that. Mm, that's a strange. That's a bit of a loophole. You can- what happens if he was in the corner flag? <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> and off, he goes off. Goes off on the side, and then somebody whips in across. Well, it's not the goal line then. So it's it's that's different. That's that's if he goes behind the goal line, it's kind of as being on the goal line. Right. Okay. It's interesting. But as you said, Dave, you know, at sort of three one, you thought, oh, could this be game on? Let, hold on a minute, listeners. If you can double check Phil Shaw's uh, <laughs> what he's just Rawlings. said, there, I'd check, be check very small grateful. Print. It's it's law it's law eleven. If I'm gonna go there, right? Carry on, Chris. Carry on. So at three one, as you said, you think could Brighton kind of come back here? And I was really pleased at that point actually to that he was very proactive and he brought Ramsey on, which I thought was, I was the just right about move. to say just about to say that perfect timing, really good move to to, to bring him on because all of a sudden you saw Brighton had. I, I know I'm like a, a fucking broken record. I say this so often, but any team who comes to Villa Park and opens the game up, what happens? What happens? They get, so torn, apart. They they get, get torn, torn apart. apart. And, and literally, you saw Ramsey slotting into all the little pockets that Zaniolo was, and everything was going into feet, yeah. and he turns on the ball. All of a sudden, when Ramsey turns and faces, Watkins comes alive. He's like, right, I've got, I've got someone running off me here. And he just carries the ball. And he opened them up, and then you know, there was a lovely ball from McGinn. And, and he carries it from deep as well at he times does. as well. He gets you up the field. He's, he's that dynamic ball carrier. You know, Buendia gave you a little bit of that, but Ramsey's he's strong. He's a powerful yeah. runner. But it's you know, another another what great move. What we've wanted move. to see with that is more more confidence, and Absolutely. he is growing game, almost going. game by game, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, just, just pin him back. Um, and it's a an, an, great move through the middle for the fourth goal. Um, lovely, I think it's Louise, isn't it, into Watkins. And to McGinn, McGinn with a nicely little sort of another dinked ball over the top. Watkins, you think you're just going to strike it early with his right foot, cuts in on his on his left, gives it a good swing. A bit lucky with the deflection, but um, yeah. it reminded me yeah. of some of those goals the last time he scored a hat trick against Liverpool. Um, you, you, and at four one, it's game see, over. Yeah, you could see that move developing very clearly. It was like almost it was telegraphed. You could see McGinn and Watkins dovetailing with each other, just yeah. cutting them through and then going out to side. And you're just thinking to McGinn, go on, that's come back to Watkins, isn't it? And he just it was a perfect ball just over the top for him. What's yeah. interesting is watching Watkins celebration. Watch watch the highlights again. It seems to be very self-affirmation, pointing at himself, saying me, you know, me, me, me. It's, you can see that he's he's either had a knocking confidence or he's having a go at his doubters. Or maybe a bit of both. And it, it seemed a bit me-y, if you know what I mean. I mean when As you a, score a hat-trick, you've got to lap it up, to be fair, David. But there's something there. It's not like he's not like cool saying, you know, yeah. doing it arrogantly or whether it's arrogantly or, or, or like really humbly. There's, there's none of that. It's kind of, it's a real, he's looking in front of the mirror, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on, Ollie. Come on, Ollie. Come on, Ollie. Yeah, yeah I, come on, Ollie. It's like self-affirmation. Yeah, self-affirmation, yeah. Yeah, you notice that. You notice that after the the final goal, because Watkins again, again puts him through. He was clean through, and the goalkeeper saves it. Louise follows up and just passes into the net, and you can just see Watkins punching the turf because he he didn't take the chance himself. Should have so scored, yeah. really, shouldn't he? Yeah, he's his, he's his own worst critic, which is great. And to be fair, the, the, Louise's finish is fantastic. Which I know we've we've missed out Ramsey's goal, which we'll come, come on to next. Because what a finish that is, by the way. Another great move. You know, I was in two minds with that. It's like, oh, fucking hell, Watkins. What about Louise? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like you know, show some love for the team. 
not all about trying to get improved contracts and scoring goals for yourself. <laughs> when I saw that, when I saw him banging the turf, I thought, yeah, not big on that. We should be celebrating as a team, not uh, having a I'm go at yourself. I'm always frustrated that he doesn't score, that you know, he doesn't take the chance because he's obviously missed some earlier in the year. And yeah. But it was only after Luis scored that he started doing it. It wasn't like straight away. He's like, yeah. looked up, saw Luis score, and then he was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Unless he had a bet with Luis, he was going to score the next goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a really nice finish from Louise, and he's, his confidence is just, you're seeing you know, a young sort of Brazilian player becoming a, a bit of a man at the moment. You think the, 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 he's the man at the moment for Villa. He's such, becoming such mm. a silky player to watch for Villa. He's great fun when he's in full flow. Dialing it back to the 4-1 at like around the 65th minute. At that stage, you're thinking, right, this game's ours now. But you're thinking, let's get it. Let's get it at least another. Let's let's put a little bit of daylight here and make a statement. So it's always nice when you're in these, like uh, when you start to hammer a team, to have one beauty. Because I think players relax a little bit, don't they? Mm-hmm. they? There isn't that tension of trying to get the result or fighting for the result. It's more, it gets a bit more into the spectrum of showboaty. And it was a beautifully worked goal in terms of Great team move. because Brilliant you've got move. somebody running the overlap that takes out players. You've got uh, a defence that there's so many things coming at them that they don't know which way it's going to turn. And that just opens up that little, the hesitation from the defence because he, they see the, the runner overlapping yeah, and that gives Ramsey enough time to do what he wants, basically. Yeah, cuts it in shape and just whips it in the bottom corner. It's a fantastic goal all round. Yeah, it's a great, the, the build-up through midfield. And I think that was the, the sort of, the, the overall pattern of the game was Villa's deeper lying midfielders, or the, the midfield three in general, really. Kamara Louise McGinn dominated, I thought, um, Brighton actually looked like they had a little bit of punch going forward in the final third, but I thought in midfield, Villa just flattened them. Um, you know, they, yeah. they gave their back four no protection whatsoever, and that's why I think their back line looked poor. I don't think stealing goal is particularly up, up, up there with the best in the league either. But but you're in a situation where Brighton's midfield can bedazzle you if you give them the game to control. And they just didn't. But- but what Villa were doing really well is every time they won the ball from midfield, it's almost like instantly we were attacking. Yeah, they sprung the trap really yeah. fast, which is clearly that yeah. something off the training ground, you would think, because uh, you know, we've seen Everton as an, as an example or other games where you win the ball back and you haven't got that sort of instant runners like, right, let's go. I think Villa knew that. And I think this is a really good way for Villa to play. It's very efficient, like last season, where it's like we don't need 70% of the ball. We're more efficient when we just pick teams off. Well, Bright, Brighton, Brighton get people forward. So if you if you create the turnover, I don't like using the American term of turnover, but if you get the ball off them because they've committed men forward, if you get it, you know, if you play it quickly, then you that's that's the advantage. And we've and got pace. exactly yeah. exactly what Villa were doing. Because well, I mean, that, that was what was pleasing about Emery's tactics. He didn't try and um, rethink. You know, he didn't try and reinvent the wheel or anything. Everton did that to Brighton last at the end of last season. West Ham have already done it to them this season. Yep, with yep. the same sort of effects. They've just once you get the ball off Brighton, it's as, it's as almost if Brighton are in like freeze frame for like a, that split second. They, they, they don't expect to give the ball away. So if yeah. you can break that line and get the, get it up the Villa's strikers or any team's strikers, Brighton are in big trouble. Yeah, and also because they've committed players forward because they're, they're hatching their attacking phase, which, you know, needs bodies up there. So, you know, pitch perfect, really. And then Villa realise, right, let's really uh, take it to the town. Let's bring on Tillemans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and let's get that sixth goal. Well, hopefully Kamara's all right. He obviously he took a bit of a whack, didn't he? I think so. Hopefully he's okay. He went straight down the tunnel. Louise, has, Louise adds the 
sixth and it's, you know, all is good. All is good and everyone's forgotten. Well, I say everyone's forgotten. All is good Everton, in the hood. And everyone's forgotten the Everton game. And that's the thing. If you get a result like that, and what I will give Emery and the players massive credit for, really through the season, that's kind of been the theme, hasn't it? That when they've taken a knock, they have tended to come back pretty well. Yeah, they haven't dwelled on it. They don't. They move on quickly and they've, they move forward. Now it sets them up really well for the... You know, the game against Mostar in the week, which they do have to win. And I'm hoping that he will go, we need to go strong here. We need to get the job done. If you beat Zrinski, it sets up the season properly. It's like it you, you, the first phase of the season, finding your feet has happened and now, yeah. now you're off. Especially if you get, you know, if, if, you, if you, you know, Altmar and Warsaw can get a, like a draw or something, that'd be great. But Villa just needs yeah. to look after themselves at this point, get the result. And then you can obviously look forward to the, the runner games that come off the well, back yeah, of it. It's simple. As I said, they've got to win it. As simple yep. as that. Uh, key stat. Well, are you ready for a stat dump? Because there's a few here. Oh, yeah. Does it smell, this dump? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the first one is, this one's up to Joe, put this one out. This is Douglas Louise. He was only the second player to score in five consecutive home Premier League appearances for Aston Villa after Dwight York in December 96. Yeah. Talk about making you feel old. Good effort. Yeah, especially from midfielder, when you think of how dumb, or sorry, how reliant that '96 team was in York. Yeah, it was Villa's biggest win since the seven-two against Liverpool, and it was Ollie Watkins' second Premier League hat trick. I'm, I know the one. I'm not counting the one against Hibs at all. That was a training hat trick. So, <laughs> harsh. So, yeah. So his his first hat trick was against Liverpool in the seven-two. So just nicely ties off that. And then everybody's favourite, expected goals. Well, Aston Villa won the expected goals as well. They had 1.96 to Brighton's 1.86. Bullshit, that is. Well, and Emery's now the only Villa manager to win 10 consecutive home Premier League games, which is great. Mm. Fancy Premier League Villa top man? Top man is Ollie Watkins with 20 points. That might go up if a bonus point or anything is added. But, but that's two weeks in a row for Watkins, so he's on his, he's on one of his streaks. So he better keep it on. Might that continue for a while? Nice one. Well, he, he he's playing catch up, isn't he? In terms of uh, fantasy league points. Yeah, yeah. I, d- I did think after Chelsea, I think if you were a betting man, you would have put money on Watkins scoring in that Brighton game. Before we get into medium muppets, Emery's clipboard, stroke, touch, count, stroke, untouchables, stroke back from the dead, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Scores on the doors, Phil Shaw 5, Chris Bird 1. After being 5-0 down, can he start to make the kind of comeback that Brighton was dreaming of making, but uh, had no chance of uh, ever making it into reality? Chris Bird decided that Scott Hogan and Wesley's touch count for this weekend's games would be 38. Mr Phil Shaw said 43. Well, at Carrow Road, Norwich beat Birmingham 2-0. Scott Hogan, 17, is that? Going to par the cause for Scott Hogan, or would he consider that a? Uh, That's impressive for him. It's not. It's not bad. An impressive afternoon's work. Anything above twenties, kind of nosebleed territory. Yeah. Meanwhile, Wesley. Wesley's just like he's like a talisman, isn't he? He's leading Stoke onto bigger and better things. They managed to go to Bristol City and win three two. Big Wes didn't actually uh, get amongst the goals. He got subbed off after uh, sixty four minutes. But he managed to add to Scott Hogan's tally enough touches to give Chris Bird a bang on the money. 38 touch count <laughs> total. <laughs> oh. Oh. That's, like an, on. that's like an overhead on. kick. I mean, you almost hit it dead on last week, didn't you? I think that was one off, wasn't that, last week? Yeah, one off. 5-2, it's, it's on. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting nervy like a Dean Smith Aston Villa team. <laughs> Right, next week we will go for the weekend games. We don't care if they have midweek action. We will just stick to the Blues Baggies Derby on the front. 
eight o'clock. Oh, it's going to be a feisty night in Birmingham. Two teams singing about how much they hate Villa. Great. Yep. Yeah, it's the Villa Obsession derby, isn't it? Well, Stoke have a uh, tricky trip to Leicester, who uh, I believe are top Ooh, of the league. That is a moment. tough one. That is a tough one. So what are you going for, gents? I'm going to stay put. KG, this burden too. I am going to go lower and go 29. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I see the logic there. I'm thinking Wesley will get upset and he'll grab somebody with the throat and get sent off in the first few minutes against Leicester. <laughs> he'll, get, he'll, have it, he'll, have it, he'll have it off with the Jamie Vardy. I mean, I'd pay to watch that. I'd back Wesley on that one. Oh, yeah. Be better news than Fury, anyway. At least it might happen. Kick him over the, kick him over the stand. Because we're now playing uh, Sundays, maybe we should start doing coach trips to uh, go and watch Stoke and follow Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> we, could, I mean, we could do. I can't guarantee I'll turn up. Yeah, but, you know, other people might be interested to, uh, like, follow this touch count in real time. Medium Muppets. What's in the trough, Phil? Well, as we've already mentioned, it's been a sweaty week as the Castori kit has dominated <laughs> the Villa media coverage. It's been a sweaty week. Yeah. So, some might say that the club were lucky that the, the Castori kit dominated the week because it overshadowed the, the no-show in the Everton match in the League Cup. Maybe that's why they, they've known about this, obviously, from pre-season. They think, well, we'll keep it in a locker for a, a bad news week. And there's yeah. been a few things kicking around. So. In case of emergency, break glass and bring yeah. up the sweaty kit. Yeah. Well, I mean, the kit issue, as we said before, has been highlighted since pre-season. Anybody that's seen the, the American games and poor, poor Calm Chambers just looking like he had been like a bucket of water dumped over him. Um, but yeah, and, like, and, and Tielemans is always... Uh, <laughs> Seems to be the picture of an ex- of example, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he doesn't like running. We know that now. Yeah. Um, so if he's sweaty, then you know there's a problem. Yeah. But as you said, it was the women's game that brought this into sharp focus. And I thought this was a bit strange because the BBC's Jackie Oatley took the fight up on behalf of the Villa women on Twitter. And she wrote a BBC piece saying that the women's team absolutely hated playing in the kit during a pre-season friendly with Chelsea. She said, you can imagine as a female athlete, you've plenty to think about just being the best you can be in the football pitch without thinking about getting sweaty and your kit clinging to you, both from a performance aspect as it is with the men, but also with an aesthetic aspect. When I first looked at this, I thought, yes, that's a sensible standpoint. That's a, you know, it's a fine view to have. But I also thought to myself, the Villa women's team have a lot of big personalities in it. I mean, you've Daly, you've Alicia Lehman. If they were really hating the kit that much, you can bet that they would have been putting their name to a statement saying, I hate this kit, I don't like it. And there's there's no real quotes attributed to any of the players. Well, I mean, this is, you know, I've spoken to the club about this, as I said at the top of the show, and they said the women haven't really had an issue with it. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if that's, uh, they're just saying that to protect uh, the women so there's no, you know, kind of hassle about it. I mean, the men have have, have mentioned it when they've been, I mean, McGinn was joking about it, you know, in the post-match against Brighton. But they said it was fine and they said they even offered them the white kit to play instead. And, that you know, they said, no, we'll we'll play uh, as is. Yeah, so I just thought it was strange. It was almost as if, you know, the, the, the media were sort of like fighting the, the women's corner for them, you know, taking the fight on when it was the women's fight to have or the women's opinion to have or choice to have on it and they've chosen to wear the home kit. So I just thought there was a bit of a, bit of a discrepancy in, in the whole coverage. But another bit of media there is a good media. It's special mention for Aston Villa's next opponents, Wolves. Um, Pep Guardiola in his press conference called Wolves player Huang he- he Chan. He couldn't remember his name and called him just the Korean guy. So, of course, who's, who scored the winner against Man City? The Korean guy. And Wolves, <laughs> Wolves admin just put it out with speech marks, the Korean guy, and a, and a brilliant well, picture of him doing well a knee slide. So, 
Hold on, Pep. That was a classic. Uh, I must admit, although to his credit, Pep's comment, which I did the put in, Carabao Cup comment was brilliant. In the week. Which I did put in something for the weekend. Uh, I'm not wasting one percent of energy on the Carabao Cup. Is uh, that's worthy of a t-shirt? Uh, but yeah, no. The it, it's one of those cases where, in terms of the the kit. It's one of those where it's like, are people kind of jumping on this to kind of uh, virtue signal, or but then and you, you, at the same time you think, well, this needs saying, so go for it. <laughs> it's like this is the Trojan horse to uh, sort out this problem that nobody seems to be particularly interested in addressing. Every week we're looking at this wet kit and nobody's seen anything like it in football. You're going, this is surely not right. Why has nobody said anything about it? So credit to everybody uh, involved, media, etc. To banishing these people who they had one job to do and they're you know they're full of it in terms of their marketing build better or be better whatever their catch lines are and they can't even put out a football kit it's kind of a joke their reputation i mean newcastle have ditched them villa are about to ditch them it's not going to do much for their stock price is it well luckily we're not floated well, yeah, I know, but you know, metaphorically speaking. Yeah, oh, metaphorically, mm. yeah, big time. Yeah, and we forgot to mention Louis Barry as well. He scored seven league games in a row, which is a, a post-war record for Stockport. So maybe we're wrong. Maybe he will be coming back to Villa one day. He really thinks so, Phil Shaw. Boy, he'll, he'll do well to get in in front of Duran, but yeah, he might come back. Understudy to Duran. But he's stunned. <laughs> <laughs> in silence, he's yep. stunned. <laughs> no comments is the, honest, uh, I, was just, sure. I was just looking at someone who just sent me another picture of the empty seats in the top of the Trinity Road in the Doug Ellis I'm still trying to fathom that no comment is the official line of no comment on the My Men Said podcast on uh, Louis Barry's extensive Aston Villa career that's coming <laughs> yeah, good luck to the guy <laughs> plus he went to my old school of course but I mean we're just basing it on historical uh, fact of what happens normally when people leave nothing against him per se he did score against Liverpool in that cup game which is what a finish uh, that was by the way an iconic moment and that's one of those moments where you know we used to say on this podcast it's when you can tell if a player's got it or not so he did pass that test to be fair to him and he has good stupid hair so the door's still open I suppose in that respect right thank you very much for listening please do become a My Old Man Said member if you're considering it we are now uh, powered up to provide extra shows ad free shows to Spotify users as well as whatever other podcast app you want to listen to uh, your podcasts on so uh, do check that out at myomansaid.com it's under the membership link in the menu thank you very much as always for listening what's next it's Zrinsky time yep and uh, also uh, we will be having a match club for that tricky game against Wolves where we have lost five of the last six at the Molyneux so if you're an existing My Old Man Said member we look forward to uh, hearing from you Sunday afternoon right somebody's got to go to work somebody's got to celebrate getting a new job and somebody's got to go back to bed because he's ill (laughs) (laughs) that's a great sign off that (laughs) until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye Empty blocks now at Villa Park. Doesn't seem that they're that interested in filling them. Poor old members with sold those members passes to uh, get access to matchday tickets. And suddenly uh, there's blocks of Villa Park that they uh, are basically frozen out of. 
yeah, prospect of watching a really good game. That, you know, they brand it on the uh, on the ticket website that it's as good as sold out. And then you get to the ground and you see big blocks of empty seats. You just think, you bunch of fucking wankers. Absolute knobheads. You could look after your fans like Newcastle did in midweek, but no, let's shaft them. Luckily, they got the win. So let yet again, Emery bailed out the commercial department. Well done, Unai. Strong views from Chris, but they they might not necessarily be the views of the My Old Man Said podcast, but pretty strong yeah. potential that they are. <laughs> and everybody who I spoke to who sits around by me and everybody online. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.